now playing in Los Angeles. Exquisite food and drink, world-class art everywhere, spectacular sports, and dazzling Hollywood attractions. Yep, I'm talking about L.A. L.A. offers the full variety of a food scene from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars. And you know that Los Angeles has more museums, theaters than New York? Take that, New York! Get your fix in music, film, comedy, and world-class museums. Wow, L.A. has a chip on its shoulder. Plus, get behind-the-scenes movie magic with a world-famous studio tour, exclamation point. That's something that should be on everybody's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com. L.A., they say it's better than New York. You know, socks, tees, and underwear are the top requested clothing item in homeless shelters. Bombas is hoping by creating comfy essentials and donating one for each one purchased. That is a very cool idea. Yeah, We've been talking cool. about this for a while. The comfort geniuses at Bombas make your everyday things your favorites, whether it's that arch-supporting sock. I love an arch-supporting sock. Mm-hmm. A buttery soft tee or underwear that feels like nothing. Mm. Worried about the wrong size? Bombas offers a hassle-free return with their 100% happiness guarantee. I like Bombas because they have a uh, terrific product, but they also have a, I think, a good social mission. They're helping people. Yeah, it's nice. I like their sock. Yeah, and you like, well, I hope you like their socks, plural. <laughs> I like both. I like the two so that I put on. So you like the, the right and the left. Yes, I do. I like wow. two, two socks. What a brave socks. stance from you, Sona. <laughs> Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 25% off your first purchase. <laughs> My name is Katherine Hahn, and I feel, um, I feel like I'd be lying about being Conan O'Brien's friend, because I don't really know him, and I'm excited <laughs> to get to know him today. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Hey, Conan O'Brien here. Welcome to another episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. My never-ending quest to force very talented people in the business and in the world of politics and just uh, in the world of life to be my friends, often against their will. And I'm joined, as always, by uh, Matt Gorley. Hey, guys. Uh, you do a great job, Matt. Really do. I don't know what you do, but you do it very well. Huh. Oh, well, how do you know I do a good job then? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't probe this too deeply. I just said it quickly <laughs> yeah. to give the uh, very uh, thin patina of kindness that I know is required of people like me in moments like this. Yeah. And uh, you sh- you don't want to test this at all. Oh, you're a mensch. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's the bare minimum. Uh, speaking of the bare minimum, Sona, thank you oh, very okay. much for doing you know, um, the job that you do. Uh, uh, um, not to its fullest, but uh, uh, the job that you do. Pleasure to be here, as always. <laughs> Just such a joy to be with you in the same room. I do have something to talk to you about, Sona, and this is an actual concern of mine. Okay. Mm. Um, and uh, I think our audience is aware that Sona is very pregnant now with twin boys. Yes. And you are going to be bringing them into the world uh, with any week now. Any week, any time, yeah. Um, and I'm going to be very honest about this. This is not a bit. This is actually something I felt a little bit. Uh, I am a middle child in a family of six. And uh, in my family, I could often feel a little bit lost in the shuffle, oh. which can happen. And now for 11 years, you've worked for me. 12. Mm-hmm. I said Worked. So, um, right. no, you've been with me uh, for 12 years. Yes. I was your priority. You didn't always act like it, but I oh, was your, boy. no, but I was your priority. And now yeah. that priority, I think is going to shift you because think. I think it's going to shift when these twin boys show up. You think it's going to shift. I have, <laughs> Yes. I believe that that's a possibility. You think there's still a chance you are going to be my biggest priority in life. Yeah, your best case scenario is that there's one twin, then you, then another twin. (laughs) In priority order. I don't- And that's not going to happen. I just don't know. I I feel some of the same feelings that I felt back in, you know, the early 70s when- 
my youngest brother, Justin, was born. Uh, he was the sixth. And I remember feeling another one. I'm shoved oh. more into obscurity. And of course, they made a big deal about Justin. And my father was like, oh, Justin's going to be the smart one. And Justin will be the good one. And uh, I remember feeling <laughs> it was a tough time. Watergate was happening. Uh, the country was still recovering from uh, the Vietnam War. And then I, of course, uh, plunged more into obscurity with, with each additional child. Now huh. you're putting me through the same trauma by having twins. And I'm wondering how I'm going to figure into your life once the twins show up. Well, first of all, you're a man in your 50s now. Hmm. Late 40s, let's say. No, it's hmm. definitely late not. <laughs> it's late 50s. I think mid 40s. Okay. No. no it's I'm late. a man in my early 40s. The fact that you still have these feelings is uh, troubling. But also, you know, you're right. For a long time, I was single. I was having a good time. Like I could feel You were having a you. really good time. Okay, relax. And then, and then Tack came in the picture. And I'm sorry, but- Tack, my husband, is also a bigger priority to me than is you are. Is he really? Yes. He's my spouse. He's my life partner. But I pay you. No, that's not how life works. It's like mm-hmm. Liza is a bigger priority to you, you know, and that's how family works. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I'm ex- Can you no tell idea. me what you think in in terms of rank? priority like what's the priority list in my life what do you think it is show business first oh boy boy. i'm just telling you what my that's how i wake me up in the middle of the night and go there's been there's trouble and i'll say what the show podcast what's the problem okay that's what i do just wake me up in the middle of the night oh no something terrible happened what my career what (laughs) then i'll start asking questions about children and wives and parents and stuff like that what what do you think the list is in my life like what how do you think you rank i understand having to have close to similar billing with tack but i would think the order should be me tack very close second huh podcast children Oh oh my god so the way i see it now is it's oki first my dog. What? Yes. Then oh, my oh. God. This is Wait, hilarious. So you're the- both crazy? <laughs> you know what I love? She's all about her dog. She carries her dog around. She's one of those people that's like, oh, Oki just had an idea. I could tell. Oh, did you hear what Oki did last night? What did he do? He was thirsty, so I put out water and he drank it. He- Isn't that a good story? No. That's the, that's the kind of shit that Sona's always saying. And I keep telling her when these twins show up, you're going to forget your dog. You just are because that's what happens. And you refuse to believe me. I think you guys are both too close to it. You're too in the thick of it. I think the natural priority order is your two twin sons. Yeah. Your husband, your dog, me, Cone. <laughs> so who's our guest today? I feel like it's 1973 all over again. Okay. <laughs> you were 10. Now you're in your late 50s. No, I was 10 then, but still somehow I'm only in my late 30s. <laughs> Listen, oh I'm working on my publicist on a new date of birth. We'll get to that very soon. Uh, all right, let's move on to, uh, to, to better things. My, my guest today is a very talented actress, you know, from such movies as How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Bad Moms, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, man, is she having an incredible renaissance. You can now see her as... Agatha Harkness in the hit Disney Plus series, WandaVision. Uh, She absolutely kills it. Everyone's talking about her. I'm thrilled she's with us today. Catherine Hahn, welcome. I am a huge fan of yours. And then like everyone in the universe, uh, after your amazing turn uh, on WandaVision, so nice that everybody, the entire world has caught up, which is uh, is deserved because uh, you you deserved this for a long time. And it's so nice that you hit it out of the park like that. Well, listen, let me reframe then the answer to my question at the beginning, which is that I would I mean, because I would I feel very hopeful about becoming your friend, especially after that uh, introduction. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I feel, you know, I've been at it this at this for a hot minute acting and I, you know, I've been like squirming around in different like nooks and crannies for a while now. So this has been, this is so crazy. Yeah. It's just been bonkers. And that for it to be like a Marvel situation is like, what? It's just all so kind of hyper surreal. I'm going to guess that people listening don't know this about show business. Mm. 
these people come along like yourself. They become so popular and they become, you know, you're so self-assured and you knew exactly what to do uh, with your part on WandaVision. And everyone, once they see that, would have a hard time believing that you used to audition for stuff all the time and not get it. I, I mean, I still feel so close to that. I used to, when I was in school, take the Metro, like I would get an audition at 30 Rock. I would take the, the tr Metro down to 30 Rock, go to Banana Republic, buy a suit, change in the bathroom at 30 Rock, go up, audition at NBC, go down, return the suit, get back, get back in the train and, and go and go back up to school. Like many, many, many times. Didn't they For catch on to you at some point? At some point. They, but if you, you remember- You were buying suits? Uh-huh. It was- You are buying suits for like an hour? Aren't they, and then they, you return them and they're just, they're just soaking wet with sweat? Wasn't anyone asking any questions, Catherine? So much sweat, but it was a two-floor Banana Republic. So that kind of worked in my favor as that I could kind of work the different cashiers. But yeah, oh, there were so many times like we I was just talking about the backstage, the paper and there would be the auditions like in the back. We would always joke about the no pay nudity shows like, oh, please sign me up. Like, I can't wait to wait in line for a no pay nudity job in your suit film. <laughs> wait, what's a no pay nudity job? They would have that. My husband. Oh, what would is it? I, listen, I don't know. You, I never showed oh, up you to don't one of them. Know. Oh, Catherine, you know exactly. Oh, I don't know. Now you're this version of Catherine Hahn who doesn't even know what it is. I, I really want you to explain to me because I honestly don't know. There's a job where you're nude and you don't get paid? I think they want to be very clear up front that if you want this credit, there's going to be no pay and also you're going to be nude. If you still want to show credit. up. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I did this. <laughs> I swear to God, no, I think no. 86 to 88, yep. I was a no-paid nude. Yes. You know, that in my situation, uh, when word got around and they saw the footage, I was paid not to be nude. <laughs> I supported myself for a year and a half not taking my clothes off in New York City. It's a great paying gig. I made hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep your clothes on. Please. Please. Your skin looks like spam. Yeah. Um, Spam. But, oh, it really does. To open a can of Spam, and I'm, I encourage anyone to do that and look at it, and uh, that is what my chest looks like when the shirt comes off. No, I, um, I think that the color of my legs right now looks like a fetal chick egg eye, like the palest blue pink. Like it's the palest, it's almost pale blue, the color of my legs. You know right what this now. is? This is the exact opposite of dirty talk on the phone. <laughs> I've got chest like spam. I have a fetal, uh, pale uh, eye uh, from a from a chicken that died before it could be patched. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's meet up. What's so funny is that you and I both have the uh, ham bone mm. uh, deeply uh, embedded in our souls. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly mugging and doing faces and on. It's exhausting. And I have that, like, I, I know I definitely feel like I need to come home and just shut the machine down completely. And my son is on to me now, who's 14 and a half. And he just like looks at me with such like kind of like a wistful kind mm -hmm. of like a sadness for me like <laughs> like I feel so sad that you have to work so hard uh -huh. all the time like you uh -huh. you don't have to work that hard mom like it's okay like we've got you you're it's we're okay like we you, we've got you so I totally, I totally hear you in that department. I've been doing better the older I get. I certainly in my twenties and thirties, it was like, I would do, I was doing serious, I mean, in quotes, like serious theater. Like I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I was that way in, in my family growing up. Like we, it was like a hard dinner table. We always used humor as like our, like hard humor. Like that's what, you know, we always did. I tried when I was in grade school to be in serious productions of things <laughs> and have serious parts. And then I realized I actually did this, and a shout out to my old uh, music and drama teacher, Mrs. Steele. Mm. Um, but she, I was in a production of some show, and it was a serious show, and I didn't have a huge part, but I started to, I remember I was, I think it was Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and it was and not, not that that's the most serious show, but it, I didn't have the most comedic part, and I was supposed to hold a, uh, a rifle, and I learned all these tricks with it, and I was doing tricks with the rifle and pulling focus, and people <laughs> were laughing, 
And then I had a line and I remembered I started ad-libbing off my line <laughs> and like I broke the fourth wall at one point because it went such to my head. And I was like, well, that's a pretty good question. And then I turned to the audience and said, what do you fellers think? Oh. And the audience laughed. And my the, Mrs. Steele said, can I speak to you for a second? Oh, this was after no. the show. Can I speak oh. to you? Don't you ever. And I'm like, huh? But oh. I got big laughs. You know, I'm still in character. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is I understand yeah. that and and my- I think also my learning ground too. And I remember very much thinking, oh, it's all about the dinner table. Mm -hmm. And I think Bill yeah. Murray said everything you need, he needed to learn about comedy, he learned at his dinner table because uh. there was like 30 Murrays sitting around a table. <laughs> and I absolutely believe that. Yep. that. It was all about the table, who can score, who can get dad to really laugh, mm -hmm. who can kind of run the table. Mm -hmm. That was what it was all about. Absolutely. It was my mom just like cutting down, just like, like, just cut, like at the knees. Like she just could just bite. I mean, she just knew exactly how to just like, my dad would say one thing and then she would just like slice him in half. Like, and we would all be laughing, but it was like, like she was, it was a tough, tough table. So when did your father walk out on the marriage? I'm curious. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I think if you told all these stories, I mean, like it was so fantastic. My mom would just, my mom would cut him off at the knees. She never let him finish so a sentence. Horrible. What happened to your dad? It's oh, we don't know. He so, walked away. Oh my God. No, it sounds horrible. It was actually the opposite. They were married for a long time, but then waited until after we all left the home. And then they, but now they live like five blocks away from each other and they're still very, right, very, right, very codependent. Yes. I mean, of course. But I mean, I remember when you were telling that story about high school, I remember Sister Deborah was my high school directress and she, we did a production in all girls school of a play called Stage Door, which was about a group of actresses that lived in an apartment mm -hmm. in New York City in the 20s. And I had to play the part of one of the actresses that had to go off, that had, that had like a mental breakdown and she... Um, went off into another room and you hear a gunshot and it's clear that she's committed suicide. And it's very dramatic in front of like all the parents of the sophomores that are putting on this show. And right. the only place for me to go off stage was into the wrestler's room. Like there was no off stage. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to just like go off into the wrestler's room and there was like two pieces of wood together. Like I was my own Foley artist and we had to kind of like make a gunshot. And my mom and my mom and dad just, re I remember them saying like, the lead actress who was on stage just kept scanning the audience, like squinting into the audience for her parents the whole time so that mm -hmm. the, everything that was supposed to be any sort of dramatic impact that happened was totally gone by me just squint by her squinting into the audience looking for <laughs> for her parents at the same time. Uh, the, I, the but you know what I would have done in that play if I was supposed to I, I swear to God, if I was in fourth or fifth grade and my job was to go off in a very serious like checkoff play, mm -hmm. go off stage, and then you hear a gunshot, and I was supposed to have killed myself. Afterwards, I would have been like, ouch, like from <laughs> oh, off camera, God. you know, my foot. And the teacher, the people would have maybe laughed or my friends would have laughed. And the teacher, would, Mrs. Steele again would say, can I, come here, come here. I never want to see you again, you know? Yes. I didn't have that in me. Yes. I just could not- couldn't do it. do it. Yeah, it was very difficult. I was also Polonius in Hamlet, and I, <laughs> I, I, I had to be. I had to be. My big line was, "Oh, I am slain," and so I had to be behind a curtain and get. That was all very difficult. Very difficult not to wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm with you. It's hard. Yeah. Oh, I'm slain. Oh, and it I hurts. am slain. It That's what I would have done. It hurts a lot to get slain. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Steele wants to see you. What? I killed. I killed. Poor Mrs. Poor, poor Mrs. Mrs. Steele. Steel. She Just, kept trying with me and I couldn't do it. Really, no. really wanted it to be about the work. But you know what's so funny is that, you know, with Agatha... There was this meme that went viral, yes. which I know you're aware of, but of you giving that sort of exaggerated sitcom wink. And you say that all these people who've known you your whole life are like, there you go. You know what I mean? Like you found, you're capable of all this other stuff, but they just, there was some part of you, I guess from your youth or if anyone who knows you would be like, they're so happy for you that you oh. got to do the big wink, you know? I mean, in my IMDB page, that had been like listed as one of, uh, of like I mean, my special skills had been over the top facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> That's on my chart under medical medical conditions. <laughs> for, over the top facial, yeah. For like so 
long. So we were laughing about the long game that somebody had been playing. Like, it was so weird and so uh, amazing, the size of the mouth in that meme that went around. I was like, geez, Louise, look at that face. I mean, I mean, and I have no social media. So I was being scented by so many different, like, factions of my life. Um, it was very funny, just, but of course, so surreal. And, and for it to happen in this chapter, it's just been like, what is reality? It's so weird. <laughs> it's also weird. Well, that's, that's nice. I mean, I've always had this um, theory about show business, which is you have to keep going into the casino and pulling the lever. And I, I try to tell that to young people, um, which is that they should gamble. No, uh, <laughs> no, it's, I, you've got to get to Vegas and you've got to get a lot of coins. Um, what I'm trying to tell them is, you have to keep going back in mm. and putting yourself out there, which you did. I mean, you uh, you had a very good and healthy career before this latest triumph. And so you're known and you're respected, but you kept going back uh, into it in different ways. And I believe that that is the part that is actually as important as the talent somehow. Do you oh know? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I didn't really have any grand expectations. Like I, I didn't know what it was going to look like, but there just wasn't an option for me. Like I just was an actor. So I didn't know if it was going to be on, I couldn't really see myself on a big screen. Like that seems really out of a different, again, like I didn't see myself as having the, that felt too far away from me in Cleveland. Right. Like I just didn't, but it was, um I, there was no doubt like that it was going to be, that that was my life. And, you know, I put myself, whatever, through school. I, there was a lot of just like what I was talking about, just like a lot of time as a receptionist at a hair salon, like a <laughs> lot of time. Like Now, let's talk about that because you were very good at that. And clear, maybe, clearly. maybe you should have stuck. <laughs> Your hair looks amazing, by the way. It is Your a, hair looks fantastic. This is a horse tail. <laughs> <laughs> you can put a heavy wax on it and it'll yes, settle right down. If anybody has... As a good mask recommendation, I could really use it. Um, but yeah, I was like, my cousin got me a job at a hair salon in New York. And when then I got, um, I went to grad school and I got my first gig out here on, on a medical procedural show called Crossing Jordan mm -hmm. or Crossing Jordash, as we affectionately called it. <laughs> um, and I played a medical, uh, a grief counselor in a morgue. And which consisted of me having to sit across from one amazing guest star after the other who had to just drop into the most intense crying scene like you could possibly for like a half a day. Like it was right. like just amazing watching these people have to like pull it together and pull it out. So that was like a real um just a real school for sure. But I never felt like I just could didn't know. Like I just couldn't find my like creative self. It just didn't marry. I didn't, I was trying to, I was like acting at being an actor almost. Like I, I just didn't feel my authentic performer self that I felt when I was on stage really until my mid thirties. We have such a youth culture mm -hmm. that so many people think if you haven't blown up by like the time you're 22 or 23, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's true if you're if you want to be a, a major league athlete or maybe if sure. you want to be a supermodel, that's or a ballerina. A, no, I, I love an old, old ballerina. <laughs> that just starts a, at 45. I like one that starts at 45 <laughs> and then they really come into their own in their 60s sure. and the bones are giving out, but they just they just hit hit their stride. Mm -hmm. But I think what's so nice about you getting this that the role of Agatha is that there's mm -hmm. something eventually it brought together all of these things that you can do, that you mm -hmm. have access to, that took you years to find, and just genius casting that they thought of you. Uh, mm -hmm. It's almost as if it was written for you. But I don't think, I think there are very few people who could have done that. I think oh there are very gosh. few people who could have, you know, who could have played it because you had to play such different realities and the, and, and, and the way that you guys um, would switch realities it's a sitcom, but then it's really not. And it would keep evolving and have menace there. Mm. But you're also fun to watch. I can't think of someone else who would do that as well. And I think that that took you, that just takes a long time to be able to do that. Uh, I mean, I guess like, you know, what's so interesting about all of this is like, you just arrive, it, you're right. And not to, you're right. Not to get too highfalutin, I'll try not to, but like, it does feel like this thing just kind of, happened like it's a gig and this was like something happened in this particular gig that was 
that called on something that was awesome timing. I'm going to hazard to guess that while you were doing it, you probably felt, oh, I know exactly. Yes. <laughs> I know what this is. I know what this is. And you said earlier, you know, in my 20s or whatever I felt, or there are other times where I felt false. We all know what that feels like. I did a lot of TV, especially early on, where I felt like I, I'm trying to be this thing and I hope people think I am this thing. And then it took a long time for me to just- own Sit that with, thing. Own it. Yeah. Own that thing. Yes. Sounds, sounds dirty. <laughs> no. <laughs> own that thing. But you were so, like, you were a, like, a just generosity. I just will never forget it. Like, and I'm not the only person. I mean, you know all this, but just, just to be such, for no reason to be sitting there on your couch, on your talk show. Yeah. But um, just clarifying. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Clarifying. But just, yeah. just such generosity, not feeling like a comedian or particularly funny and just feeling like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. This is not my world. And you were, you were just a generous bird. So generous. Well, and I was just nice. full forever well, being. You know what? The thing is, I can't, I honestly can't. I wish I could take credit for saying that that comes out of like moral character or something. Oh, okay. When someone's out there with me, I want us both to have a good time or I will feel terrible. I want to make it work as a group. I want it to be a group dynamic. Uh, as too. long as my name's at the top of the bill, <laughs> and as long as I get most of the money. Sure. I mean, these are just little caveats. I no, sure, mention. sure, sure. And as long as it's pretty clear I'm top dog. Sure. Um, you know, and that's really established again and again and again. And that merch, I want all the merch. But that shit aside, uh, I want people to have a good time. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> that shit aside. No, but did you I, get that? Did you understand? Did you get what no, I said, uh, Matthew Gorley? Matt, I want Matthew Gorley to chime in because mm, I, he got I want him quiet. to really understand that I need to be top dog, Matt, all the time. Oh, you understand? I, I only know that to be a universal truth for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing he knows. And you know, Matt, I know you dream about a piece of the merch, but you're never getting a fucking piece of this merch. <laughs> never. Oh, no. I'll never. I'll, I'm going to have all of it. But other than that, I want to support you. You know what I'm saying? As a performer. I know that I was dead to you before I was even born. Thank Thank you. <laughs> so not, you're not getting merch. No merch for you. None at all. A small piece for your twins. Just a small piece. Oh, okay. oh God. All right. I mean, I'll take a small piece. It's I kind guess. of a, it's kind of amazing that you make them sit in on these Zoom these Zooms yeah. to just hear this over and over well, again. again. I, I, over and look, over I've been, and over. I've been told, Catherine, I've been told it's cruel and I've been yeah. told it's almost arbitrary and sick to a degree yes. that I lash out this way for no reason. Yes. But I want it just made so clear. No. Across the board. Mer Merch means that much to you. Oh, yes. yeah. you have no idea. I've got to have all the merch. But merch. that said, I think I'm a very uh, generous uh, man. Sure. <laughs> also, Catherine, can you take us away from here? Sure, yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to just slide really quickly into the chat, my phone number and an address. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check terrific, out brunch. Boy. That's brunch. all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to do that anything. Helps. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. You know, our podcast, we've been doing it for five years now, and it's changed over the years. Yeah, yeah, it has. I've gotten better looking, I think, stronger. Oh. Um, you no. seem less mentally sharp. I, oh, These I things just happen. I was you know? thinking other things. Well, whatever, with like time. Like the studio. We got a new studio. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got a new studio. But uh, you know what? One thing hasn't changed, and that's the great taste of Miller Lite. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this on the drive-in this morning. So much has changed, but not the great taste of Miller Lite. You were I, thinking about Miller Lite this morning I on the way I shouted it out the window at the car next to me, and the guy gave me a thumbs up and said, I agree! <laughs> it was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one, if you ask me. Yeah. I like to have a good time. You know that. I'm good. Uh, you love to party. My name is Conan Goodtime O'Brien, yeah. and I get together with my gang, my squad, and we crack open some Miller Lights, and all is good in the hood. <laughs> undebatable quality, great taste, and guess what? Mm. I ran the numbers myself, yeah. only 96 calories. Wow. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. It's a light beer that tastes, guess what? Ding dong, open the door, like a beer. <laughs> the original light beer since 1975. Red Sox won the pennant. Anyway, times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller time to get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash Conan, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Hey, you sell beer? Yes, we do. Bet you have Miller Lite? Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, Muppet, why are you working here? I'm not sure. Celebrate responsibly. <laughs> Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces. You know what I, was, uh, I, I wanted to remember to ask you, which is like a lot of people, my vintage, I grew up um, seeing reruns of the Dick Van Dyke show. And, uh. and so it was so fascinating to me when, and I'm sort of going to nerd out here, but when you guys recreated in, in that first episode, when you recreated the basic, essentially the Dick Van Dyke show uh -huh. in this alternate universe, wasn't it was a while before I realized you did it in front of an audience. Yeah. You're on the actual set of the show, and I thought, oh my God, you guys know what it's like to make the Dick Van Dyke show, <laughs> in a way. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It was the kind of performing, that kind of, um, I mean, it was, you cannot attempt that and, and screw it up. Well, you know, we got to, uh, yeah, we got to rehearse it, which was a luxury. So we had some time and then we rehearsed it like a play, like, you know, like they would back then. And then they also, and like you would, you know, multicam now, but they used like the, the audience was pe dressed in period clothes. They had period lights. They like the, all the operators were dressed in period clothing. Like the only time that they put the fourth wall up was, and then the audience didn't see that was when the camera flipped for when Mr. Hart was choking. Yes, yes. So the audience didn't actually see that so that the laughter could keep going and there wasn't any confusion. The audience didn't see that. But um, what I was most, I think, like skeptical of was Jack Schaefer, who wrote the script. It was so spot on. Like the jokes were so period, <sighs> period, bless you, period perfect that um, I was like, is there going to be laughs? Like it's so earnest. <laughs> Like, I wonder if, if it's going to be, and then the- Will this was, still be funny to people? Yes. Yeah, well, will a modern audience laugh at this cadence, these kind of jokes? They did. It was so funny because when I was watching, and, and Sona, I, you know, I know that you felt the same way, but I was like watching that first episode uh, and, and throughout, but I was always, because I'm such a TV fanatic, mm. I was watching the Dick Van Dyke episode as if it was made in 1962. Mm. You know, I was watching, as it, as it moved along, I was watching it, 
I, I would, and not intentionally, I wasn't trying to be a good watcher. I was just, I would fall into the rhythm that yes, you guys set out. There's the rhythm. And right. the costume and everything, but it's yep. almost like a, they should use that show almost as like a masterclass in these were the major styles of comedy on yeah. television. Yes. Because you could study it and you can really see that the, the rhythms and the, and the way that you had to shift the yeah. way you performed and the kind of jokes you were doing. It's stunning and educational too. We got to do the, I mean, I'll never forget this, but we, you know, at the end of, um, I think it's episode seven where I, I, I get to do that theme song, the Agatha all along and which was <laughs> which, so Which fun. by the way, <laughs> I, I think went so to fun. number one. What did it go to? No, it went to, uh, oh, crazy. No, Agatha all along went to number one, uh, <laughs> reached number one on the iTunes charts. Oh and you know what? I was like, yes, I love that song. So it deserves it. So but how weird. insane is that? I don't, it was but so bonkers, but they, there, there's a shot at the very end where I have the dog and I, I, have the like witch cackle and that shot was literally in front of the original bewitched house so we were on the back lot of uh, warner brothers and so that was like mm-hmm. uh, like matt and i when we were doing that we couldn't like just the fact that we were able to do that the fact that that was like it baked into the history of of that moment and like just the sitcom history was baked into the making of this show was like was just we were it was Goosebump City, USA, when we were making it. It was pretty great. My life as a kid was watching these iconic TV shows. And then cut forward to, you know, I'm in my 20s and I'm out in LA getting started on my career. And I was on a date with someone once and she said, oh, I know where the Brady Bunch house is. And she drove me to it. And I'm looking at the Brady Bunch house. And I thought, there's so many mysteries of the world that are supposed to blow our minds. And I'm... <laughs> But this is the one that really blew my mind that, wait, how can how can I have seen that as a yes. child, but now I'm here? Yes. And I've had that so many times, time and time again, yes. where I've been on a back lot and someone said, oh, and yeah, and that's where Gilligan's Lagoon was. And I'm like, what are you talking yes. about? Yes. And then I insist on seeing it. It looks just like a, a, a swimming pool or something. Yes. And I go like, but where are they? I and they're know. like, you're, you're in your, sir, please. Yes. You're an adult male. Yes. Uh, you're having an episode. And- I don't know. There's something yes. about when, when you say being in front of the bewitched house, I think the only way to be in show business is just to kind of keep in touch with the awe. Of, yes. Wait a minute. How did I end up here? I'm from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and I'm here and I'm making one of these things. And when they say action, I'm the one talking and that's where the bewitched house is. No, it's it, so it, crazy. Yeah, exactly. You can, I'm, I'm still constantly like in awe. I mean, I remember back when I was doing Crossing Crojo. Crossing Jordash. <laughs> when um, my, my dad came to visit. didn't help that you never learned the name of the show. <laughs> I think that probably hurt you very badly. Very badly. And like the seven years. Of, uh, but I remember being able to take my, uh, being so proud that my dad came out to visit me and I borrowed, we shot it at Universal and we borrowed a golf cart and I was able to take him on the back lot tour of Universal and the Psycho House is there in the Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. And he's hilarious. You know, both my parents hilarious. He was so determined to get a picture of me in the window with the mother. You know, like (laughs) she would be like this and then she would come in. Like, so it was like, you have to time it so that she would like come into the thing. And so behind the psycho house, there's like, you know, it's just a, it's like, all you know, it's all pretend. It's just like a half of a house. And then there's like little stairs to get up to like dusty grandma who's been in the window for years and years. So I, he was like, come on, Catherine, come on. So I ran up because I wanted to get the give this thing. Like he wanted it so badly. He thought it would be hilarious. So I ran up the stairs behind the psycho house. And there's a picture of me like, come on, like take the picture next to the grandma <laughs> who's kind of out, out of focus, just like on her way up. <laughs> But it's the the best, the best. We still have it. We had a picnic in front of the Bates Motel. And like to be able to say that we were able to do that together was kind of amazing. What a lovely place to take the family. (laughs) Come on, kids, get in the car. Where are we going? We're going to have a picnic. Where? At the Bates Motel. Did he? (laughs) A picnic right from the Bates Motel. Come on, kids. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. (laughs) Glamping. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. When did you come out here? When did you come out to LA? It was, I think, 2001. It was right after, yeah, it was like right, it was my first gig after um, grad school. So I came like, I came right after. Were you, I remember very clearly coming out here for mm. the first time. Mm-hmm, me too. And I'm going to date myself here because no one else will date me. Laugh track. <laughs> nice. Um, 
Nice. No, no that was real nice. Oh. I am a sucker for those. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, well, right to my heart. Guess what, Catherine? You're the only one. Yeah. You're the only yeah. one. Yeah. Maybe you should be our position on this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm getting a call. I just lost the merch. Um, <laughs> I just took it away. No, I, I came out uh, in 1985, and I was just out of college, mm-hmm. and I, got, and I uh, came here and had a cruddy car. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a complete misunderstanding of what Hollywood was. Yes. Were you scared of this place when you went to LA when you got out here? I mean, again, I came out here with Crojo, and so they put me up at the Oakwood Apartments. Do you yes, remember? Yes, I stayed at the Oakwood. Oh. Best, best way to meet a uh, divorced men, a divorced pregnant man. No, no, I was gonna say it's the best way to meet a divorced pregnant woman. I swear to God, that's amazing. Yeah, a woman who's like, I want to say seven months pregnant, going through a divorce and hanging out at the hot tub. Totally, and And there were so many, like, and so many child actors, like, there were so many stage moms. So many child actors. There's an amazing documentary about that. That's out. I can't remember what it's called, but about about the pilot season and Oak and the Oakwood Apartments. I can't remember what it's called, but it was incredible. The, I'll explain to people. The Oakwood Apartments are these. I guess they're gone now, but it used to be where you stayed, and so that's where before we got our apartment with no furniture. Uh, Greg and I stayed in an Oakwood apartment that's right uh, in Burbank. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to describe. Yeah. It's a period in my life that still gives me the chills. Yes. But child actors, recently uh, divorced people, men. In my case, that's what, that's what that's how what I saw. Right, right. And mm-hmm. again, I saw at least three very pregnant divorced women, uh, or go, women going through a divorce, and um, proposed to all of them. We had oh, the Hollywood Complex is the name of the documentary. It's amazing. Um, but we, I remember, like it's a furnished apartment, so that's why they were very popular. And we, I was working right across the street, which was uni- at Universal. So like, I remember walking in. There was like it was all carpeted, which is immediately like oh. And then it was like in the drawers in the kitchen, there was like a can opener and two forks, fake ficus in the corner that's like, you know, dusty. And I just remember feeling so lonely. They rented me a purple Suzuki sidekick. And I thought my idea of of Los Angeles was that was that strip of Ventura. From yes. like t- all the way to to die sushi. So I was like, oh, there's there's vivid entertainment. Like I remember being like, oh, oh my god, everything's so dirty. Like I couldn't believe I was driving by actual that vivid had like a legit looking a place. Oh. No, I swear to God, it looks like a building that that Google would be in. Yes, but it's vivid video who makes all the porn, and but it, it's this incredibly impressive yes. building. And I know I used to go by there all the time. Yes. <laughs> I just want to come in and talk to people. <laughs> you guys, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Well, come on, let me in. All right. But that was literally like what I thought it was. First, I thought I could walk to work because it was right across the street. And then they were like, no, it's like, a, you don't know what a studio is. Like, I thought I could just like walk into from the back entrance into Universal and then I had, so I had my little Suzuki. Oh God, that was depressing, you guys. Those were depressing, <laughs> depressing days. And I don't know if you remember Todai Sushi, T-O-D-A-I. Yeah, it was a sushi buffet, a buffet uh, which yeah. is already, you know. Oh, Stone, way in. Yeah. Did you enjoy this buffet at Todai Sushi? <laughs> you, you, you know, when I was younger and I lived in the suburbs, it was like a fancy place. Yeah. And then you realized buffets and sushi don't really go together. <laughs> no, it's like. You don't leave it out. to eat sushi. Yeah. Cut yeah. rate sushi. No, that was like those, no. the sushi on the conveyor belts. Like my, my son and I remember there was one by the Arclight for a hot second by the Cinerama Dome. And we were, we were, wait, we had dinner there once and we kept watching the same, the same California roll, like go round and around and around. And we were uh, like, it's still there. I don't know. It's still there. I don't think so. It, it's still going. Yes. Uh, yeah. And also just the idea now, especially after COVID of food traveling on a, right. taking a long journey yes. through, a, through a room filled with people. Right. What a great idea. Yes. I want my food to have met everyone in the restaurant four times before I grudgingly put it in my mouth. Yes. A lot of lot of aerosol droplets, please. Just think of where this raw tuna has been. Oh, it's it's a nine mile journey through the entire restaurant and back before, again. Exactly before it wears you down. <laughs> All, All right, right, fine. I'll do it. 
I'll put that in there. It's been sneezed on by everyone. I still drive because I still live in Los Angeles or after years and years of being in New York and came back here, I drive around all the time and I see those places. I pass that Oakwood or what was that Oakwood. Yeah. Uh, I think now it's a nuclear facility. Um, <laughs> it, it just runs on despair, the despair uh, built up there. Headshots and headshots. Head yeah, yeah, exactly. And you see all those places and you mentioned child actors. I remember, mm. I think, first of all, were you not a child actor? Oh, I was definitely, yes. Yeah, what were you in? You were in some kind of, was it a local show? It was a local show called Hickory Hideout and it was, <laughs> it was. <laughs> you can't make uh, that up. No, it was <laughs> me. Time for Hickory Hideout, everyone. <laughs> it was me and and two puppets called Nutso and Shirley Squirrely. The, wow. <laughs> we sh- <laughs> this is fantastic. We shared space with our local NBC affiliate, news affiliate. So like you would see the news desk and then when we would have our shoot days, they would just wheel in a giant tree and then they would just shoot us with the news cameras and I would like knock on, you know, me and this other little boy would knock on the door and these two puppets would come out and we would ask, you know, questions and no, there was, oh, there was another puppet named Know It Owl that was an owl. And we'd ask, ask questions about like getting braces and whatever. QAnon. QAnon. <laughs> I know it, Owl. Wait. Well, QAnon right. is actually a reality. Cabal rings, you know, that light stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Know-It-All was into all kinds of weird stuff. I remember him. The show in Boston, which was actually, I think, aired a in other cities as well was called Zoom. Z-O-O-M. Oh, very prescient. And it was that. very, uh, I know. And it was they very, did this, um, right? uh, yes. Did you see Zoom, Gordon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing, we're on a podcast and you're doing a hand gesture and going <laughs> like this. And I, know, I was trying to, to stay with you and I had no idea what I was following. No, it was a Zoom and the show was, Come on and zoom, 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 a zoom. You're gonna zoom, a zoom, a zoom, a zoom. Come on, give it a try, you know. And kids got on Zoom, and I remembered in uh, high school a guy telling me like, "Yeah, I went out with a girl who was on Zoom." Oh no! We were all like, "Oh my God, that might have that was the most." I couldn't believe that I knew a guy who had dated a girl who was on Zoom. Sure. Yeah, but when have you looked at footage of yourself at that age performing and thought? Okay, you're doing a good job there. Good job, Catherine. Or do you look at it in horror? I mean, I, I, yeah, a little bit of both. I wasn't like, I wasn't like nailed it. Like I was wearing, definitely had a Dorothy Hamill haircut. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> Me <definitely> too. Wore- <laughs> we all did. <laughs> Gorley had one. I had one. <laughs> we were adorable, weren't we, Gorley? Wait a minute. Yeah, I, something. when you were singing that Zoom, Zoom, Zoom jingle, like all mm-hmm. I could imagine what were the gentlemen who were just half sloshed, like so. Like basically alcoholics trying to compose it in someone's basement on a keyboard, just reeking of cigarettes. There was like a tone of sadness to that jingle that I can't get out of my head now. Zoom, (laughs) zoom, zoom. Gonna zoom, zoom, Uh, zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah, see? Come on, give it a try. Oh, God. Yeah, there's something Um, about it that's very sad. Um, But uh, no, I don't know if I look back and I'm like, nailed it. But you know what's interesting? I don't know if you ever did this, but kids, we've all experienced child actors. And, Mm. you know, there's a whole range. I mean, hardcore fans of ours know that really early on in the run of our show, we used to do fake guests and try and fool the audience. And we had a young woman on. Uh, I mean, she must have been maybe eleven or twelve, and she came out there and I and I announced with all seriousness that she was it was in our like Andy Kaufman stage of, you know, let's let's fool the audience. And so we brought her out and we said that she's uh, like, she's won the national spelling championship. And so she came out and she did a really good job. She nailed it. And it, the joke was that she couldn't spell anything. And the audience was really embarrassed. But then I think they, eventually they learned that they realized, oh, this is a, this is a joke. But the actress was terrific. And it was, uh, it was only years later that someone said, by the way, that was Scarlett Johansson. No way! <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah, and she's on this old late night clip. You can look it up, this of the spelling bee, this uh, champion. Oh, I'm going to look it up. But I, what I used to remember is that there'd be the kids whose mom, it was clearly the mom drilling this into them, mm-hmm. but a kid who was maybe five, 
coming up to me backstage at late night or maybe older, like eight. I'm going to say eight, but going, excuse me, Mr. O'Brien, I just want to say my name's Peter and I am such a fan of the work you have done in late night. It is so prescient. You have the ability to hold the audience both comedically, but also with an intelligence. And and you can tell that this has been branded under their forearm. They don't know who I am. Their mother said, go and talk to that tall, red-haired yes. woman over there <laughs> and convince oh, him. Conan. Yeah, but it's yes. just so, I felt so bad for yes. some of these kids. Yes. It's so rough. I do too. Like You can tell when there is a joy in a child's eye and then when you can tell when they've just been plied, when they're just getting plied with candy between takes. And that's maybe why they're there is because they're being offered candy. Like it's yeah. so, it's really like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a curtain puller at the Cleveland Playhouse. Like I was in it. I'm telling you, I was, first I played Salty the Songbook. P-S-A-L-T-Y in church in a play called Salty the Psalm Book. That was, I think, my first production I've ever done. That's the role to get in that production. (laughs) It's the only role. I know. (laughs) I was in Salty the Psalm Book. Uh, Oh, yeah. What did you play? Salty the Psalm Book, asshole. There's no one else. Even if there was, it doesn't matter. But I remember I remember uh, staying up very late to make that costume out of a I think it was a, a refrigerator or a um, maybe a dryer or a laundry box. Right. Yeah. The Book of Psalms. Trying not to trip because that would be very embarrassing. Um, and uh, then it was like I, I was in. I mean, I was just in, 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 in. Talking to you, it's almost like you're out of time. I and, I, and this is why I feel this is why I feel a kindred spirit to you because I think uh, you and I were kind of were two people that mm. I've always felt. I was kind of supposed to be around in the 1890s yes! on stage. And it's like playing, doing five shows a day and coming out and going like, hey, folks, you know, whatever. Now let me tell you something. I don't do, do, and, do, do, do. and I've always had that. And I, I look at you and I think, okay, this is someone else who I talked to. And even though you've grown up in the modern era and you were a very young person, <laughs> I'm looking at I you and you're know. like, well, no, I, I'm comparative to me. You are, you are, I, you're a child compared to me. And I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, I talked to you and you go like, yeah, when I was three, I was in Hickory Hideout. You know, I was a curtain puller over at the old Bijon Theater. You know, for six years, I was the second half of a horse costume. Totally. I had a partner for a while, and, you know, he did a so-and-so, you know, he exactly. did a fall-down act. Yeah. Put my wig I, on fire in the footlights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. who you are. I love it. So that's how, that's exactly it. That's why I was I was like, okay, got to talk to this Catherine Hahn because whatever it is, we're traveling. <laughs> we're yes, traveling in the same misguided journey, both of us. I love it so much. I'm t- I'm telling you, when I said that at the beginning of this, like I want to be your friend, Conan O'Brien. I really, there. really, really, really do. I, I knew it from the beginning, and I <laughs> truer. It's truer now. I, I'm a polite Midwesterner and I didn't want to presume. Okay, you know what it did? It took me about an hour, but I, I got you from, I don't know, it feels like a lie to, I'm, you desperately want to be my friend. And that, that means that this has been a successful episode of the Absolutely. podcast. Listen, I want to uh, thank you so much for doing oh. the show. Uh, you're a delight and I, I'm just very excited to see what you do next. And I can't wait to see you in person too. Yeah, once, me too. You know, once this world uh, changes enough that we can all hang, it would just be nice to- um, Get our top hats on and start with, yeah, get, get, our, get, our cane, <laughs> get our cane routine going. Exactly. You and I should work out a routine and then try Please. and get invited to dinner parties together Please. and then pretend that it's impromptu. But yes. oh, wait a minute, they both brought hats and canes <laughs> and then, oh my God, this is so sad. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Catherine, uh, an absolute delight talking oh, to you. Just the best afternoon, yeah. you guys. Really, really, really. Thank you so and, much. Um, and congratulations on everything. Uh, you've, you've more than earned it, and I'm really happy for oh, you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, you guys. And congratulations, Soda. Thank Twins. you That's so much. so awesome. Thank you. All right. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Such a pleasure. <laughs> mwah, mwah, mwah. Bye-bye, mwah, Catherine. Mwah. Thank you. Goodbye, you guys. <laughs> thank really you. Really a total pleasure. They, all right. Do, do I screw this up? If I just leave. <laughs> Please don't delete this. Please don't delete this. <laughs> and that was re- delete. If you work in B2B, this one's for you. Yep. No one knows what you do, but fortunately, LinkedIn has the people who do. 
I'm talking about LinkedIn ads. It's a B2B ad platform. That's business to business. There it is. Yep. And it's also a boy band I almost started. <laughs> and it's a, biz- it's a platform that allows companies to advertise their products or services. You can target professionals by title, function, industry, and more. Generate leads, drive website traffic, and build brands awareness with LinkedIn ads. Business to business advertising is about reaching the right people. And LinkedIn has over, get this, 70 million decision makers on their platform. Yep. With LinkedIn ads, you can reach the people who really need to know what you do. Now, listen, it gets even better, too, because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. That's not bad. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-Cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Occasionally, we like to look at the reviews on Apple Podcasts of this show and then just discuss them and, in a way, kind of review the reviewers. Do you guys want to hear one? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I find it mildly terrifying. You never know what you're going to hear. And uh, But this is the profession I have chosen, and yeah. I must accept the voice of the critics. Well, just to put you at ease right away, this is a five-star review. You can't get any better. Than Out of like nine stars? Nine and a half stars, yeah. Okay, <laughs> terrific. It's my favorite review. Here we go. <laughs> okay, this is titled, Help Me Conan. And it's by Rocket Book Official. A fan on Instagram suggested I reach out this way. I'm having an issue with my husband. He wants to name our son Conan after you. At first, I thought he was joking. But as we progress, I realize he's very serious. The issue is I have red hair and he has a lot of hair, sort of like you. So this could be really creepy. We had a deal a while back that I get to name the baby if it's a girl and he gets to choose the name for a boy. Maybe you can talk him out of it please? Well, you've come to the wrong person. I say, I <laughs> totally with your husband here. I think the name Conan is not used. No one uses this name. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've ruined it or whatever, but it's a valid, beautiful first name with like a great, you know, sort of Gaelic Anglo-Saxon heritage. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know why more people don't use it. And I'm starting to feel a little self-conscious that I've ruined I, the name. I think Conan the Barbarian may have ruined it. Yeah. Oh, I think so. I'm sorry. Did you what? Did you want to ruin it? I, I kind of I did want to be the one oh, who ruined it. I, it does. That's the size of my ego. Is that I'm hurt that I'm not the one who ruined Conan. <laughs> uh, maybe this will make you feel better. But obviously, for my whole life, I only knew it as Conan the Barbarian. And then when your show came on. Like everybody, it took a while for that to seep in. And then when I started working for you, Conan was so clear to me that I then saw the movie Conan and kept calling it Conan the Barbarian. Right, mm. right. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I remember that movie came out. I think I was in college the first, when the early college maybe, freshman year. And I went and saw it. And <clears throat> no one had ever really heard my name before because none of us really knew the comic books. And then this movie came out and I'm in the theater and you you just heard all these characters saying, Conan, Conan. And I had never heard my name outside of someone addressing me. Yeah. Um, and of course it was all, I will kill you. I'll rip your head off. That stuff I had heard. Right. Uh, <laughs> from various siblings and neighborhood thugs. And parents. Parents. <laughs> I see. And grandparents. I'll crush you. Um, but I still think it's a great name. And uh, I think if you, it's kind of like that old Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue where the mm. character is named Sue and people tease him for it, but then he turns into like the toughest son of a bitch ever. Yeah. I think if your son has red hair and a lot of it and combs it up in a pompadour and his name is Conan, he's going to work so hard that he will eventually, because he'll have to, he'll have to to surpass and rise above the tor- the torture and the teasing. He will eventually um, become famous that, and he will replace Conan and Conan O'Brien. He'll replace us both. Right. And then he'll be the new Conan. And that's what right. needs to happen. We, oh. This needs yeah. to happen is that your son 
needs to pick up the mantle and become the most famous Conan of all. Did people make fun of you what? with your name? Yeah, yeah, they did when the when the movie got really popular. Okay. I'm trying to think, what did it make me do? I didn't work out. I know. I was going to say it, it. It didn't. You didn't have the Sue effect. It's not like you became super tough. No. Like I don't want to hurt your feelings, but no, you, no, no. I didn't develop a razor sharp wit. <laughs> no, I didn't really either do that. I no, you think didn't. it's more just I made. I learned how to make a lot of faces huh. and move my <laughs> hips around in a strange way. Mm-hmm. What do you think this new Conan will be known for if it goes barbarian, comedian, something? Yeah. What do we think it could be? What's this new Conan going to do that makes him the most famous Conan of all? Well, there is a singer named Conan Gray who's pretty popular, right? And there was Conan Nolan, the broadcaster, right? That's right, Conan Nolan. Yeah, Yeah, but they slip by the wayside. This Conan Gray guy, is he really coming up on me fast? He is. I mean, you know, the real trick is to like, Type in Conan on Google and see which name comes up first. I'll do that right now. No, you know what? I don't. What if it's not? What if it's not O'Brien? <laughs> then this is awkward. Well, let's find out I if have. this Conan Gray is coming up fast on me. Conan O'Brien. Yes. And hey! second place is Conan Gray. Oh, okay. So I'm still first. And then, yeah. and then Conan the Barbarian. Right. Conan the Barbarian. So wow. so Conan Gray is still in second position. We've man, I'm. I'm going to sweat this now. Yeah. And how popular is he? Pretty popular, right? He's got a great face. Okay. All right. So, sorry. okay. Was sorry. My, weird? Oh, so my face is all fucked up. No, I mean, no. He's like a, he's like a cute <laughs> right. singer. Right. He doesn't have like beady eyes and thin lips. Oh, and come on. Skin. You're winning. Can't you just take that? I'm, I'm barely ahead right now. Is this like some young, cute guy? Is that the idea? Yeah. Like, well, I'm well, sorry. Google I'm aging. Right I'm getting old and oh, I'm yeah, falling he's a apart. He's a good looking kid. Yeah. Show me a picture of this Conan Gray. This okay. is upsetting. I've worked hard to build this Conan name. Look at look at his face. That's a great face. There's a picture of him with the raven on his shoulder. Oh, oh my God. This guy is so much better looking than me. <laughs> and you know what? He has a look of intensity yeah. that I can't manage. You're better looking than Conan the Barbarian. What? Um, well, yeah, no. No, you no, he- are. No. Yeah. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. You, what are we talking about? We're talking about Schwarzenegger in his prime was an Adonis. He was. Yeah. No, I'm- I'm really just trying to be nice right now. I'm getting my No, I'm talking about here. Conan the Barbarian now. Oh. The aged Conan, Conan the No, Barbarian. hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm looking at these pictures of Conan Gray. <laughs> you really are scrolling I'm really lot. scrolling and there's a lot of pictures of him. We're very different. He's got, oh, there's a picture of him biting into, what is he? An apple. Oh. See, I can't look like that biting into an apple. I'm just usually like, oh, good apple. This guy is really <laughs> looks, there's a picture of him from Equate Magazine biting into an apple and he looks like he means business. He wants to get that top spot on Google. I need my fans to rally. You know the way Beyonce has these fans who whenever someone threatens Beyonce, you know, or says something about Beyonce. She has the beehive. The beehive. I want that. The cone drones. The cone drones. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's as cool as the beehive. They're both bees. You know, you're not. Can you do me a favor? You're not helping. We're onto something good. And you're just like an anchor dragging off the back of our race car. I'm sorry. I'm helping. Uh, Listen, Matt. I'm serious. The cone drones. This is fantastic. It's you picture an army of like orange drones. I, I just want them to go. I just we gotta chip away at this Conan Gray thing. Because I I look at this guy. He looks he looks like a million bucks. I hear that he sounds great. Yeah. I can't compete with that. I'm I'm rotting like an old pumpkin in the sun, and this guy's coming up fast. He's, I think there's two ways to handle this. What? You either have the cone drone army Google your name to raise it higher in the ranks, or Google Conan the Barbarian to surpass Conan Gray. No, no, your play. second idea is stupid. What? Your first idea is genius. Okay. I need the cone drones to drive me way up high in the Google search so that Conan Gray fades like the gray light. At dusk. You want to destroy this young man's career. (laughs) Not destroy it. He can do other things. Do they still have copy shops? (laughs) You want him to work at like a FedEx office? Uh, Yeah. There's still things he can do. He's got a whole life ahead of him. How many years do I have left? One? Fifty? We don't know. But Conan Gray is here to stay. Well, here's the thing that's weird is that it started off with this this person asking if they should name their kid Conan. Oh, you said, please. You said, let's make you more famous. That kid's going to surpass you no, on the Google no. list. You know what? Can I just say, and I don't mean to, I'm, I'm 
you know, this woman reached out and asked me for a favor, but we've got bigger things to worry about now. And I can't be, I can't get bogged down in your problems. Name the kid Conan, don't. I, I just got to jump out of this one. It's the Conan Gray thing you've now made me aware of that has triggered my fight or flight reflux. Okay. And I have to do something. Okay. I have to, I, I got to get the cone drones to put me ahead of Conan Gray. I just had a horrible realization. What? What happens when you go gray-haired, people are going to Google Conan Oh, gray? no. Well, that's why I'm buying all these wigs. <laughs> I bought all of Lucille Ball's old wigs at the Lucille Ball's <laughs> estate sale. I have 600 <laughs> Lucille Ball vintage wigs that I got at the estate sale, and I'm going to start applying them. You're going to see me 1950s Lucy, 60s Lucy, here's Lucy, uh, Lucy's back, you're going to see all Stone Pillow Lucy when she uh, did her uh, star turn uh, as a homeless person. Sure. I remember that. Uh, yes, I, remember I have that, that wig. God. It's not a great wig, but the point is I'm set. I've thought ahead about this. And Conan Gray, it's nothing personal. Uh, it's just mm. you or me, man. It's you or me, and I've got to win. Okay. Okay. The other realization I had is just us discussing this is going to make every listener go, what's this Conan Gray look like? That's, no, that's you going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. And then they're going to look him up. You know what? Don't. I will say- You should. He's no, no, handsome. No, 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 no. Don't. There's something- <laughs> I noticed a virus or something on that. <laughs> on that on that Google search? I'm you not sure I know virus. exactly how computers work, but I'm getting, yes, a text now. Oh, this is, oh God, I can't believe this is too bad for the kid. Yeah, there's a virus when you look up his name and Ugh. that gets right in your phone. It's already got into my phone and a blue foam is coming out of it now. Ugh. I wouldn't go on that, but uh, it says here if you, oh, if you Google Conan O'Brien, oh, that's cool. Huh. Yeah. You get a free uh, Krispy Kreme donut. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> Well, Rocket Book Official, I hope we helped. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. I forgot your problem. Sorry, I didn't really <laughs> listen. Uh, good luck with whatever's happening. I think it involved a human life. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's Cold K-Cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.